0: hello beautiful ladies welcome to her sexual space a podcast where we create a sex positive space to engage in empowering discussions for building relational and sexual awareness each week we will release provocative dialogues that integrate wellness strategies sex education tools and resources with radical ideas to cultivate the relationships we desire today's guest is latoya lane a sexual and reproductive health educator sexologist, sex coach, and birth doula in training. Latoya has more than 10 years of experience in the area of sexual and reproductive health and rights with the Barbados Family Planning Association and the International Planned Parenthood Federation. She brings a wealth of knowledge and information from a sex-positive perspective on female pleasure and sexual health. Her business, Pillow Talk Caribbean, is currently evolving into a sexual health coaching clinic research center, where she plans to assist Barbadian and Caribbean women by extension to understand and grow their sexual selves. Welcome to the podcast, Latoya. Latoya. Well,
1: thank you for having me, Janice. I am very, very excited.
0: (laughs) I am so happy to have you. So Latoya and I met on Instagram. uh, Once I created my page, somehow our wolves collided and I was like, yes, another brown Caribbean woman doing the thing, right? Doing the thing. <laughs> Correct.
1: And so can't I know
0: not smiling, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so excited to connect with you and, and just to share your work with our listeners, especially Caribbean women. Um, cause I think, um, our culture is, is, it's very conservative and, um, Anyway, I'm gonna let you just share a little bit about uh, your background. how How do you uh, how do you identify yourself in the world? So let's learn a little bit about you.
1: All right. So I identify myself by she/her pronouns, and I am um, heterosexual. I am in a marriage to a man, and I have two babies. <laughs> I would say, oh, they're hey. always the babies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for giving us a little tour into your personal life. Um, Tell us about, you know, your career decision to become a a sexual and reproductive health professional. How did that come about for you?
1: Okay, so it started from when I was around 17 years old and I did volunteer work with our local family planning association here. And it started with a youth organization that they had. And I started in as a youth volunteer. Um, At the time, they were doing some recruitment for a hotline. So they had this hotline they were training for. And this training really took me over the edge because, of course, I was always academically focused and sometimes to just piqued my interest, but was more scintillating. There's nothing more scintillating than telling a teenager about sex, right?
0: Yes, <laughs> <And not like laughs> I, do it, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I started there and I volunteered and then I reached the pinnacle of the organization very quickly. I was president of that youth organization. And I, it was just a big trajectory for me because from the president of that organization, I was able to sit on their board for the actual mother organization, you would say, and then I was in the international organization. And I love to just say that one thing propelled the other, and I kept putting one foot in front of the other because I was so passionate about sexual reproductive health and rights for teens, for youth, for young people because I saw what they were dealing with. I was them. Uh, It just propelled me further and further, yes.
0: Yeah, that's so, oh my god, that is so incredible and I have a passion for working with teens as well, especially when it comes to sexual health. So I wonder for you, um, how did your own relationship with sex impacted your work in that space?
1: Um, for sure. Well, as I said, I started in my teens, so by that time I was already sexually active, and mm-hmm. I remember going through a period of like just swearing off boys and what's not. And at that <laughs> <laughs> and at that particular point, because I was very focused academic- academically, and I. I recognized I didn't have the tools that I needed to make informed decisions and that is not a set of kind of a skill set that I found my peers having and I really wanted to explore why. So that's also what like, propelled me further because I recognized that my, my peers didn't have the same kind of self-infecting skills that I had and they weren't able to pull themselves back because they felt obligated in relationships. They felt um, as if they had to once they started to have sex and I didn't see the skills that I was looking for. I didn't see the information I was looking for. And as I progressed throughout my volunteering capacities, I recognized that it wasn't just me as a person. It wasn't just my peers. It was was literally everybody that I touched. They didn't have the skills to negotiate. They didn't have the skills to find quality information, to find quality mentors, to find adults that could tell them the truth and not the truth, um, later with um, judgment and um, yes. Christian belief and shame and stigma, they weren't mm-hmm. finding the kind of information that would allow them to make like just clear decisions. Everything had to go with it, had to be very um, heavy with oh, what would the Lord think or what would your mother <laughs> think? And, like, I was like, I was so over it. I was like, listen, where. Is someone who's gonna give you judgment fear information, information with compassion, information that you know really just gives you the space to be comfortable to talk about the things that you care about, about the fact that sex feels great. Oh, and I came up in that space where we were doing a lot of HIV training and nobody uh-huh. talked about pleasure. And I remember right. in particular, because I had gone through, as I was telling you, my journey in sexual health, I went through Barbara Tommy Canning and I was entered into an international advocacy program. So they had this international advocacy program that they brought us Caribbean Caribbean people from the English speaking, Spanish speaking, brought us together, and then they sent us overseas for these international trainings. So the first country we ever went to was Peru. And my husband would tell you about me bouncing on the bed, He was my boyfriend then, and, um I was like so excited about going to Peru I so excited about this advocacy training and basically I learned so much there that I recognized that the kind of quality education I wanted to give people and I wasn't being a, it wasn't it wasn't there so that's my journey into so, so my my entire journey sexually has always mirrored my path <laughs> in sexual health or without the space because I have learned and growth and I have been able to find and tune the tools that I needed to grow and make my practice better. I
0: hope that answers your question. Yeah, it it does. And um, when you talk about the skills, so for our listeners, you know, and and I know maybe we have young adults, adolescents um, listening. um, When you talk about those skills, can you, um, can you, can you tell us, you know, those specific skills that um, you, you know, you do in your work right now in teaching and coaching and what you thought was lacking and what do you see lacking in the work you do?
1: Okay, so finding voice and having the ability to be confident in that voice and I would say that. I, finally, I had this argument with my husband. Not argument, but he. I came in after a session and I was so well that He was like, look at you, just loving the word you do. <laughs> and it was really about the lack of the the lack of um, awareness people have about the power that they have in themselves so people don't have I find it could be male it could be female and it's just about finding your sexual voice and being able to negotiate your terms and conditions and creating boundaries Um, so for example tools that I find people don't have is using their mouth um, they don't use it in the way that they should. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so people always say, I heard the joke on the internet. Yeah, uh, it's American thing about what does that mouth do? But it should be talking <laughs> about yeah. what you actually need. In yeah, what you like, right? What you like. So people don't yeah, actually say stuff. They're afraid of what the partners could say, and they're afraid of the reactions. And then they stick themselves and they stick themselves in relationships that they um, are not going to grow them and develop them as a person and does not allow them to grow and flourish sexually so that's why I find that they don't have the tools to talk about things openly they don't have the tools to say okay this was great in sex and this isn't great in sex and it could be a number of barriers it could be shame as a barrier it could be past sexual um, experiences as a barrier yes. um, persons haven't dealt with trauma that they had before and trauma comes out and it finds itself in places that people don't discuss for example both of men and women and people always ask me do you find you have more male or female persons and i would say first i always have males as clients because men over women i find will spend money on a quality sex life i'm finding now that women are they're slow to come they would ask more questions first and then they'll make a booking but a man will come straight off the bat the first, the first, qu- the first call, they're like, okay, I'm booking a session. They're not calling to inquire; they're calling to book. So I find that it's different in terms of the value that people place on their sex life. So the first thing that they don't have that skill set is talking about it. The second skill set is negotiating, and it is an addendum to the talking. And it's basically how do I talk to my 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 partner in a way that allows me to negotiate the kind of sex that I want, not persuade, not. Um, pr- And not how to say not to persuade in a way that feels icky or feels like you're um oh gosh like you you're forcing the person, but to essentially go through the negotiation process. Okay, this is something I like. How far do you think you're willing to go? This is something you don't like. Is this relationship style that we're entering into? Does this really work for us? Do I I love you? Our relationship is great. Could you see us being monogamish? And this would save a lot of Caribbean households. We both know. It, oh, right? yes.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs>
1: because, <laughs> because at different points of your lifestyle, uh, lifespan, different things work for you and they don't work for you. And if I don't have that conversation, like, are you okay with me? And this is an area of our life that we do not match up. Everything else is perfect. And people always say, okay, but can't you just leave it out? But it's like leaving out not a part of them. Right. Does this mean that I open my relationship? How far do we go? Um, Am I allowed to have a hall pass, as I've heard? Um, Where does it go? And when you don't have that kind of open relationship conversations and negotiations, then I find that people find themselves in very dicey, um, deceitful um, situations when their needs are not being met. That those are the two main issues I usually find. You can, people will come with different things, but those kind of tools don't allow them. Another third thing they don't do is they don't create safe spaces in their life. Safe spaces to talk about certain things. Safe spaces to be vulnerable. Safe spaces to... Just admit that something is not working and then move on. And then breaking up with things that are just not working out. I mean, if a relationship isn't working, just, I mean, we've always talked about body count and shaming culture. It is something that takes over people's lives. So, yes. Yeah.
0: I think it's that that shame yeah, yeah you you hit everything on the uh, right on the head, um no pun intended <laughs> but um, yeah, and going back to that shame, I like that you mentioned that shame, I think there's a lot uh, packed there um because you see that people come into relationship with certain you know certain things that they believe they have to conform to because that's what the church says or that's what my mom or my, my my family did. That's what I saw in my family. And that independent thinking, and I like that you talk about being able to speak up, use your mouth, figure out what you need, figure out what you want. What do you need your relationships to look like? And I also like that you brought up um, even evaluating relationship style because what I've heard from people, you know, in our conservative culture, of course, um, they would rather have an extramarital affair than to... Discuss, you know, opening the relationship or having one-offs where you know once a year you can explore something different, or we can explore something together. They'd rather cheat than to have that conversation. I think there's there's a lot that that tells us about just how we learn to communicate, um, you know, in our relationships and what that should look like. Somebody mm-hmm, touched I agree. on that. I agree. I mean, the shame, the shame in culture is across the
1: board, with without a doubt, I've seen it wherever. And I think that when you, you focus so much on, <laughs> I, I I make a joke to my youth often, youth that I work to, I said, you know, I don't think that when, and don't come for me, but I don't think that when you come to the end of your life, you're really going to tell yourself, okay, um, these things will come against me because I ended a relationship that, that wasn't for me, that didn't let me manifest my true being and my true essence of life. You've only got one life. I don't think body count really comes comes that high on the list, huh? You know what I mean? Like right. <laughs> When you look at the Beatitudes, I don't think that they said, how high was your be- your, your body count? It really, it really, it really angers me immensely that you will put that kind of pressure on people to keep a low body count and be unhappy. For what? Right. For what? It just blows my, are you kind? Are you cool? Are you, these, these things that are to matter to you, and body count is not one. It just isn't. I don't think that any lifespan that we've been given that these are things that we should really be dwelling so heavily on. And to live with that kind of shame is unnecessary. It's beyond first world problems to be honest. I think it's um I think it's 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 just stupid. <laughs> but it is the world we are living. And it is yeah. the box we've created and the one that we're currently we're currently living in. It's the script we've been written in and that's the that's what we're working with, yes?
0: Yeah, for sure. Our core beliefs. And I think that takes us right into your work with affirmations. And one of the things that I stress on so heavily when I see clients who struggle with their um, negative thought patterns, their cognitive distortions is affirmation, correcting that message, reparenting yourself, talking to that inner child, having that language. And what I really connected with on your page, Talk Caribbean is the way you share those affirmations. I wonder how do you introduce that to to your clients that you work with and how is it received?
1: (laughs) So usually my clients come because they see the affirmations, which is beautiful. So they say, I saw the things you've been posting and I like the messaging you're giving me. And I feel like I feel seen. And I could cry, but I'm not supposed to, of course, because that, be professional. <laughs> <But You can. laughs> that, that is exactly what I want. I want people to feel seen. I want them to feel loved. I want them to know that this is a judgment-free environment. And it came, um, I think I started in August last year with the affirmations. And basically, it came from a place of recognizing that all of these sex ed information I was seeing out there, even on Instagram. As much as it was, some of it was good, some of it was still based on a lot of heterosexual conversation, a lot of patriarchy. How women are supposed to behave and how you're supposed to love your body and how your body's supposed to look. And there was nothing affirming what you had already. There was nothing yes. affirming the sexual power that you are already holding. It was Irrespective of whether or not you had the baddest work, which is, of course, a Caribbean thing and I think that, that happened to be a sexual proneness even in my conversations once on lubricant for Caribbean women I find they struggle so so heavily with it because our our sexuality and our ability to get wet is so wrapped up kind of funnily in patriarchy because you're thinking in order for me to be a true woman I have to be able to get wet on a blink you know I need to be able to respond my body needs to be responded in this particular way and I find that there was nothing affirming you for yourself. There's nothing affirming um, your sexuality just as it is. Um, and I needed to put that out there. So I really I started with it. I said to myself, maybe nobody pays any mind. At least the algorithm will be kind to me because I'm sending them out every day. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the response was and has been phenomenal. My clients, I I usually give them it as like depending on what they're dealing with. And I direct them to different things that I listen to, whether it's podcasts or readings. Their homework is always multifaceted. They always say that between the journal prompts and the affirmations, they have plenty of of things to work on because I really do believe in getting down to the nitty gritty, digging up the things underneath (laughs) and working with them. There are things for me as a sex that I can't. Because I, I don't have uh, a therapist certification like yourself, once I realize that it's digging up true underlying issues that will, I, they need to go deeper with, I always tell them to take the walk with a therapist as well. Because for me as coach, I need to be able to back up their therapist and have that walk done together. Because oftentimes people will come and say, "Oh, what like you're a coach, you can do both." I say, "Yes, I can do most of what you need, but you also need somebody to also help you unpack the other things." Because when you come to me, there are certain things that in your suitcase that needs to be neatly folded. It can be rumpled up. Because <laughs> you're right. Once- yeah, they can be wrongful. You can't just throw things in the, in the suitcase and close it down and so, say, no, that's why we can just work on this aspect and pull out this item of clothing. Because when you pull her out, she's going to have lots of wrinkles and you know you can't necessarily wear her. I know you, I want to dress it yourself, confidence and stuff. But she's trapped in the body of a child who has been molested and hasn't really dealt with that trauma. And this is the thing that I find people don't walk through. They don't want to deal with. And I understand it. I completely yeah, it understand it as a cat. Yeah. I understand the traumas of being of um, cat called, or you know, just being sexualized from a very early age and not being able to just be you and be wearing little short stresses and being nippy and what's not, and without people picking at you or trying to touch you on call for, because the culture that we're in, we don't recognize our weird; we see it as normalcy. So there's oftentimes, well, people will recount to me their first sexual experiences, and it's rape, or it has been coercion, and I have to point it out to them. So I'm like, I remember I had one client, and I said, you know, I know that you recounted this story to me very calmly, but I want to let you know that it's impacted me greatly because what you just recounted to me is rape. And they said, and they just stayed still. They said they they knew that it was, it, there was something about it that never sat right with them, but they never knew what it was. They've never had a name called for it. And I I was like, I don't know how you said that to anybody else, and they've never called it what it was. And you know why it was? They were a man. So I find that the traumas that they carry and people carry with them, especially when they come to me, I I have to tell them, you know, your journey with me is going to be long or short, but the the journey is is for us to just make sure that you at the end of it you feel you feel relief, you feel whatever your goal you've set, that we can reach it together and we
0: feel comfortable in it. So, yeah. That moment you just described, Latoya, that is so powerful and sacred. And I think for someone who is considering um, just starting to take steps towards that work, I think they can see the value in being able to talk to someone for the first time about those experiences, someone that they can trust, someone who's a professional. And I think that speaks volumes to to the work you're doing. And of course, like I said, in the Caribbean, our culture is just so conservative. And um, I I think your work, the work you're doing is, is powerful and continue to do the great work.
1: I am trying. <laughs> That's the yeah. truth. I mean, in in the midst of it, it might seem as if oh, sometimes I think, Latoya, really, is this what you're putting yourself through? But yes, yeah, it's actually it's been good. I've um, starting out. it was a little rough, but now I think I've hit my stride, <laughs> as any professional would say. You get to a point where you know how to respond to queries in a in a way that gets persons out of like just being gypsy, as we would say in, in the Caribbean. I'm more into why did you feel the need to call me today? Uh, what can I really get for you? And it helps them because I often, I don't laugh at person's inquiries either. Because people will call kind of as a prank to see where I may be at. And then I ask, I answer them honestly and as a professional. So I'm like, they would say something like a kink that they're interested in and I speak to them with honesty I speak to them with respect about the kink and they're like you know you're the first person that hasn't laughed at me or has demeaned me for having this particular kind of kink or this kind of interest and I, I was calling as a joke but now I'm serious about seeing you and I'm like okay <sighs> so that helps yes. yeah being seen and heard I think it's sexologist Shamara that spoke about that on the love our podcast and it resonated so deeply with me in terms of the meaning of intimacy that I it's not left me and it it resonates in my
0: practice yeah that's beautiful that's beautiful so I want to talk a little bit about um just affirmations Mm -hmm. um you know, how would you describe affirmations, um, to our listeners? So maybe someone who is hearing it for the first time and wondering what are affirmations, what do I do with that? Um, how would you introduce that to someone for the first time and what are your go-to affirmations? Okay.
1: So my first introduction to affirmations came from Oprah Benfrey (laughs) because everything comes from Oprah. um, um, so on a, trip coming back from one of my travels for international advocacy i picked up o magazine and at the back of this magazine had affirmation cards and i picked them out i don't remember what they had but i used to actually say them and they said the exact things, same things i say to people every day say it out loud and it might seem funny and it might seem you know weird at first but the same way you, you loudly sing certain songs, especially as a Caribbean person. You sing, True. You sing your soccer song and you're walking with, and you really believe in it. Oh, vibes can tell. Yes. <laughs> I, I remember, I'm sorry, this is a safe, but Caribbean people would understand the Jim Screechy song. And, mm. and that's was, my go-to. You understand, like I sung that <laughs> sound like I really wanted people to cheat. <laughs> yes, you understand? And- I really was I was I used to sing this James Critrice song like Oh my goodness. Meet you around the back.
0: Yes, baby, listen. I, I was singing song, that recently and I'm like, no, that's not what I want to do. You understand. I wanna talk about it if that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have
1: open lines of communication about the other person they right. want to see. But in the context in the moment I, I'm singing about James Creechy and I'm whispering in the same way and I'm waking up. And this is how I this is my beingness into into affirmations and just letting persons know. So I started one, my first affirmation on my page is actually the one that I was saying. It's the one I like and i will tell you why. And it says, sexual pleasure is beautiful is a beautiful gift that I deserve to receive. Mm-hmm. I found a lot of people did not believe that pleasure in sex was for them. It was supposed to be goal-oriented. It was supposed to be for their partners, but it was not necessarily something for themselves. Like It, it is innately a very special gift you give to yourself. Like the Valentine to yourself, that's what sexual pleasure is. If you wanted to give yourself something free, that is something <laughs> and i didn't think people were understanding that this is something that they they had the power to give themselves so i i had to put it into words because sometimes you need to put it on paper you need to put it in visual you need to say out loud in order for it to come to you so that is definitely one that i have leaned into and I, I find that the writing the, med, the affirmations is a meditative process for me, especially because I take the time as one of my mentors says to me, don't write or don't, um, before you can create content, don't look at other people's content before you create content. I find
0: it, it muddies my waters. Yes. So there's so much to consume. Yeah. Right? I you. got our, our, our fingertips.
1: I look at my community, I see what's going on with women, I see where, I try to find where their voices are at. And then I write my affirmations. And I would do that day before. So I usually do affirmation writing, like, 5 o'clock in the morning. When I have quiet time, there's nobody yet screaming mommy or wifey or whatever, or whatever capacity I'm working in today or as. So that's one that I really, really cannot, um, Another one that I really like is today I find strength in recognizing myself as desirable and erotic. Listen. Love that. Love there that. are days when you are hot mess central, when nothing goes as planned. Your lipstick was on your teeth. You thought you were strutting and the should <gasps> broke off. Have you ever had those days? where you were just I trying, have. You're just trying all the things and you and it never comes together, or your desire feels as if it has It has waned and you don't necessarily feel yourself as a sexual being anymore. Mm -hmm. I I feel like sometimes you have to call that back. Call it back. I am this month for or no not November for February, I'm gonna talk about the Cinderella effect on my page. So you can keep looking at that. And that really is persons expecting your partner to just know magically what you want oh and magically you know like when the, the um in the Cinderella effect you find it's a shoe you fall in love it's effortless child if only so I mean when you say the affirmation today I find strength in recognizing myself you as desirable and erotic you call it back you call it back to yourself you call it back to your inner being your inner goddess and your inner god and you let them know, hell yes, I am sexy. Hell yes, I am desirable. And nobody can snatch that for me. So that is that is another one. Um, this one. I commit to my own sexual satisfaction. Not somebody else. You don't put it in anyone else's hands. And the reason why you would use words like I commit is because you're not placing the... You're not placing responsibility on anyone else you're placing it on yourself you're saying self i want this i want my own sexual satisfaction i'm not putting it in the hands of anyone else this is something that i i want something i desire something i'm going to work towards and therefore i commit to it so this is why you use those kinds of words with affirmations and, of course, you can't have sexual or anything without excitement, right? Because what would that be? So this one is, I am excited by the sexual pleasure that awaits me. Just be excited by, by the fact that you know it's coming. I mean, I've, I am in the midst of reading uh, Come As You Are by Emily nagalski And, of course, you know that she talks about your brakes and your accelerators. Mm-hmm. And I, I always talk about it with my clients about being excited and expectancy as a part of the arousal process. Because if you're not looking forward to it and if you're not preparing for it, then, you know, you can never really get yourself in the mood. And that's one of the significant factors of it. So when you say I'm excited by this sexual pleasure that awaits me, you're looking forward to that. So you're not planning it in your mind. So when I when I write them, I'm thinking people. I often have, and I say people, but identifying females often often most of my well, they identify. No, you know what? I shouldn't say that because I do have quite a diverse group of persons. But females usually say, you know, I I don't feel sexual anymore, or I don't feel like desire as it's been scripted by media. And I say, you know, look at some of the. Affirmations and see which one resonates to you. And I call them to these these ones we excited by the sexual pleasure that always because you have to remember the good things, remember the good things about sex that you really like. Like a pointed question I ask: Tell me about a time where sex was great. And they're like, What do you mean? And I I'm love like, that question. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm like, Tell me about a time where you had like exceptional sex. And they're like what do you mean? I'm like, no, tell me about a se- session that was good. I have to like, pair it all the way down. <laughs> so, these kinds of affirmations gets you thinking and gets you, gets your, your energy
0: mm-hmm.
1: pointing at the right direction. Because you can't get something that you're not directed to, you're not committed to, you're not excited by. You have to point that kind of energy in that direction. So, that's the kind of affirmations that i give persons that's the kind of energy that i send out there for persons to be going forward with um because trust me in the caribbean you usually get that affirmations is um usually stuff like are you can you put a good work or what
0: yeah i i know <laughs> <laughs> and we, it. we've been there right we had to unlearn a few things Yes. Yeah, I, I think starting with affirmation is, affirmations are just beautiful. I, I encourage clients to to write them down, have a, a menu of them, you know, where you can go to or write them on your mirror. You know, I, I tell teenagers that all the time, like the, the things you don't hear from other people, you have to say to yourself. You have to say to yourself. And one of the things I, I what I'm, I'm seeing in, in, in that too, it, it gives them Consent to give them, gives them permission to, you know, explore themselves and 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 give themselves that gift, and not waiting for a relationship, not waiting for, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, someone else to provide that, you know, and and that's one of the the trends I'm seeing where people are so uncomfortable with, even looking at their vulva, you know, touching it, you know, you have to love yourself and enjoy yourself to be able to tell other people or tell your your partner, you know, what you like and feel confident in your body. Um, but I see that women still that cannot, struggle with that.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm building partners that can accept it. Mm-hmm. Building partners that can accept it. There is nothing that I find more, uh, I don't know how disappointing it, would, it is than finding persons who are who may be sexually confident, I'm I'm meeting someone who is who just pulls that away and shreds it. And they make that individual feel like, okay, your sexual confidence is a problem for me because it undermines my masculinity. Mm. It makes me feel like you're too. this is a woman and I therefore do not want you and I think you're undesirable. And that's that is heartbreaking, and that's stuff that you, I, I honestly have to deal with so often, and it's really? vice versa. Um, for it is a people don't recognize it because I often, and I will say this as a truth, and I would always tell persons when they talk about on in the internet, and I and I see it often in, when I follow other. Sex influencers or therapists in areas of sex or reproductive health. Sometimes we talk. Some of them talk about sex purity culture. And in the Caribbean, I a people clients that come to me and ask me how do I feel about religion and sex and stuff. And I'm Anglican, okay. So I don't have a Pentecostal view of God and what's not. But where am I going with this? Because <laughs> because purity and shame culture hasn't wasn't given to me in that way. Right, so I I didn't get it in that way in my Anglican culture. I'm not sure if my church wasn't um, as I don't know strict. <laughs> my Sunday school teacher was a lot more of a rogue, <laughs> so probably that's my benefit. Thank goodness for him, um, because he broke it down to me in ways that made more practical, real life sense. Actually, funny fact: my Sunday school teacher actually ended up to be one of my husband's best friends. Oh wow! Yeah, years later, and. I I was happy that he was the person that was able to give me that information because I didn't have sex shame from my church. But the reason why I say that is because Caribbean culture has purity culture wrapped in its songs about where, how women are supposed to interact with men, how they are supposed to only have one man, how, um remember songs like Go Rachel? Um, she's a whole all of these people don't recognize it you know i mean if you are not you're not looking at it as oh that's a purity based song it is it is mm-hmm. a song that tells you how to behave how you're supposed to act sexually mm-hmm. how you are supposed to be uh, um oh gosh it was a soccer song recently i want a girl that um She's a she's a lady, but then she's a in the bad. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And I was I was saying to myself. And then when you get someone who's actually like that, who is sexual adventurous in bed, you have no idea what to do with her, because you are so cramped up into on, in what it defines yourself as man, and she as what you were supposed to be as man. That oftentimes you guys clash. So you oftentimes you have friends who are so wrapped up. Other people's expectations of what's supposed to happen in this bed—that you, you, two of you are not communicating. You're communicating through somebody else. <laughs> you understand? So they're like, their their expectations are okay. He's a man. He's supposed to be able to go three and four rounds. I'm like, who told you that? What's wrong with him? He he only went one round and then he went sleep. I would like, okay, we, men have a, a longer refractory period than women. No, man, that's not true. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> Is in literature like every book <laughs> like no no they're supposed to go right back I said he's he's, he's not like your vibrating rabbit he has to take a pause <laughs> so I think these expectations that persons are not recognizing and looking for and they are playing out in very dangerous ways because they're not allowing you to live your best and your full sexual life they're not allowing you to to, to be Enjoying the fulfillment of what you are as a sexual being because you're so bogged down with other people's sexual expectations um, of what sex is supposed to feel like and look like for you. And that is, I had a sorry for rambling so long, (laughs) but I had a conversation with someone else a couple years back, and she was explaining to me, she said, Victoria, it was a friend, it wasn't in a client person, client setting, she said. Um, I don't understand why I can't have an orgasm um, I want that everybody keeps talking about this big thing that I will have and blah 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 and I'm like and I said to her well tell me about what you are experiencing and when she explained it to me I said but you do recognize that you are having an orgasm your body is responding it's having a release this is how it's responding she says yes but everybody keeps talking about this big thing I said listen to what your body is giving you and then move from there because you're ignoring what she's currently giving you as an orgasm, she's not gonna give you anything bigger. You understand? So you're you're dismissing these small shapes and vibrations and this feeling of release as not being big enough. So she feels dismissed. But if you call that feeling to you and you recognize it and you embrace it, then she's like, oh, okay. I'm up. Is is my show? now. Okay, good. Then now I can I can wrap it up. I can go further. I can be better. And so then that kind of like just listening and being present in the actual sexual experience allowed her to just to level up on the orgasm, level up on the experiences, level up on the sex. Because no, she was being present um for what was going on.
0: Right. Just and I think you there's talk. that obsession with um penetrative sex, you know. I I I feel like we can do so, we can enjoy pleasure so much when we focus on, um, just mindfulness and, and utilizing the erogenous zones and, and, you know, spending time in foreplay, you know, and I wonder if that's something that you feel like you have to address very often in your work, because I think too, the way we learn about sex, it's always P and V, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there wasn't much talk about clitoral stimulation and um just the other the other zones that you can derive pleasure from. and I wonder if that's something you often have to correct um with your clients Every time. and especially older clients too, because eventually you think your body starts to change. so when you when that focuses on penis and vagina, after a while, you start to feel worthless when these two things don't they stop being compatible or, or, you know, because of illness or because of chronic pain or whatever. um You know, you have to be creative, <laughs> really.
1: I, every single time, one, every single time I have to redefine sex. So I often have to go back to, let's talk about sex. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, this is what sex. I'm like, okay, no, no, no let's talk about sex. And then I I told you, this is how I have sex. And I said, okay, so we're only defining sex, therefore, as P and V. And they say yeah. And I'm like, okay, no, no, let's go back. (laughs) So sex is, and I have to redefine it, so that we now open and broaden our horizons of what is sex. So that not only are you thinking of sex in the areas of putting something in something, but also in the experience of kissing, deep kissing, soul gazing, touching, rubbing on something, enjoying the past times of just tweaking and playing and like brushes, flirting. You open back up your senses into being a truly erotic individual when you open up sex to being just more than putting something in something. And for heterosexuals especially, the focus is so much on that that they lose everything else. They miss out on the entire experience of being sexual and being uh, inviting themselves into a truly erotic experience because they're focused on a hard on. The hard-on, they're focusing on a wet vagina. They're, they're focusing on these things that they have tagged as um, responses to to, to desire. When sometimes yeah. you might be aroused in your brain and your vagina does not get the memo. Yes. Mm-hmm and people are so flabbergasted but I said no but I told her I, I said it in my brain and I'm like yes and then she didn't get any memo like it was lost in post you know like many people's mail over the last US um, Christmas vacation like it was overwhelmed there's a lot of other things probably she was still thinking about the um, the the about a household show or something so, exactly
0: yeah. which is very common
1: yeah, so like you have to give her some time to get there. So when you focus so much on recognizing responses and recognizing sex, it's just a hard thing entering mm-hmm. something that is soft and wet. Then you lose out on looking at your partner's eyes, recognizing their nose, recognizing their lips, yes. seeing them and feeling them, letting them feel seen or heard. And when you rush into sex like that, then you're going to find yourself often disappointed but not really really enjoying the erotic experience and I feel very bad for persons who don't get that I understand persons who are rushing through it because they have small ones right
0: I mean yeah sometimes a quickie is a quickie but a quickie a quickie. Uh, You got you, you get, getting it
1: done sometimes it's better than getting it done right but um when you do even in a quickie I often say like a quickie doesn't always have to be Putting like penis in between the sex. A quickie could be a hand job, quickie could be a little session, quickie could be deep touching and fingering. Like, why does it always have to be you actually having a phone? Like, give me a precursor to something to come where we actually have the time and the energy to go forward. And it will allow you to let out some sexual steam without having to worry about messing up your makeup (laughs) or messing up your entire outfit that is of so many things that I think people really miss out a- on when they focus so heavily on penetration um, and what I really, with the rabbit hole I'm about to step into is pain and sex and I've been down this rabbit hole um, from earlier this week because I reckon, and the reason why is uh, especially with black women and dealing with issues of fibroids and that and what's not, we don't talk about pain and sex as clearly as I thought I was um, and I really want to get back into that. I really want to make sure that I am reaching my Black women because we are important. It's good for us to be seen and heard. And for me, especially in research, I, I can't wait to produce research articles that are just blickety black black, black and very Caribbean. <laughs> just blickety black And um, just based here on our experiences, on data that is driven by our um what's going on with our demographic and i find that pain and sex is i mean that people i i never really understood um but now that i am like fully grasping as a coach it startles me uh how much people endure sex just because they think that the gamut of it is putting something in something and um, without recognizing that sex is more than P and and how much more of a better sexual experience they can have even as a couple especially as a couple if they did other things yeah especially if your body literally is unable to take something inside of you yeah yeah i I think and some kindness for that yeah because people are beyond kind i think they're less valuable as a woman because you know your body doesn't isn't allowing something or something i think that goes both ways for me. then men are unable to have a hard on they feel themselves less than a man i remember when i was doing sex um therapy training in guelph they um we, they talked about having sex with a man with a soft penis and at the time it was, i was just newly married i was like well how the hell do you get that dude? And, I, and then i thought about it a little bit more and I said you know what That's important, especially with a demographic such as mine in Barbados, when you have persons greatly impacted by diabetes and diabetes environment. So, like, Barbados is the amputation capital of the world, quite literally. And uh, and those kind of problems really must plague men, here especially. So, you, and nobody talks about how do you actually have sex with somebody who's unable to retain a a hard-on? how do you still have a fulfilling sex life if you're experiencing erectile dysfunctional issues either based on on stress? Even now we're in the middle of a pandemic. You and your partner might be having two different stress responses. One of you might be uh, feeling highly sexual and the other person might be completely put off. Where do you broach this? How do you talk about it? How does that relate like to you in these new times? Where you might be crushed or be in a household of, of many and you can't leave? What how does that slow like? And if you're only defining it as putting something in something, how unsatisfied must you feel by the sex life that you've defined for yourself?
0: Oh my God, this is, going, this is so good. <laughs> this is so good. And there are so many places I want to go with it. We're going to have you. We're going to need to get you back on, on the show again to go deeper into that. Because as you talk about, um, you know, sex and pain, you know, it makes me wonder, like, you know, we always associated good sex with um, pain, you know, even in our songs. Oh, um, yeah. Like, you know, we... We talk about, you know, climbing the wall or running away from it, all those kind of things, which, no, you know, that's not what you should be experiencing. It should feel good, you know. So, yeah, there's so much we can we can explore there. But we're going to have a special segment around um, sexual pain. Um But Latoya, you've shed so many good points, you know, and I'm just so incredible that um, I know people like you. (laughs) I know, I
1: I know people like you too. (laughs) (laughs) I saw this space and and I was like, oh, thank goodness, more Black people in this space, more Black Caribbean (sighs) people in this space, more people talking in a way that can really bring us up and let us know that it's okay to talk about that. It's okay to not all be a Boatly Dub culture. And, you know, laugh at the fact that you really do like to dance and um, sing Jim Screechie, but you really don't believe in what they're saying. <laughs>
0: right. At some okay. point, you start to really think of the lyrics. And even going back to, like, there's a song by Beanie Man that I like where he says... Um, no girl can sit down upon yes, my head yes. is that it? yes and yes. I, I love that song oh my god when that song played in the club I was, was ready on. I was ready to, to I was squatting I was ready to go down yeah um, and then you realize after a while well no um, that's that's not what I want that turns out to be false. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean see, that that narrative was oh gosh, what it was at two points I had this this no girl can't sit up on me head. And I remember that particular narrative when I was traveling across the world and Latin American men were telling me how delicious I would taste. And I was so flabbergasted because Caribbean men were on the flip side saying, I would never let a gal sit on my head. Especially if you can tell somebody else. that <laughs> the shame around it was so intense. But here was traveling the world and men just offering, you know, this is an experience I would love to take you on and I am excellent at it and I don't care who hears me and my friends all know that I love it and now, of course, the narrative over time has changed even when there was a song about washing um, the gal underwear me now wash gal underwear and it was like Really, you're not going to wash your girlfriend's underwear so she's not washing your boxers either because I don't understand that sound. So I, I, I found it so problematic. So many people came up with this with nah, this silly, toxic conversations about not even wanting to, to handle your own girlfriend's underwear because you thought that that was beneath you as man. Imagine how that must impact you when you get into bed. When you when you are trying to respect this person as an equal you don't you literally don't want to touch their underwear mm-hmm. So how could you literally want to touch their vagina? How would you want to interact with their vulva? How would you... How would you interact with them if you think that the underwear that they have on is nasty? This is the problem! If you think that her underwear that she's wearing is nasty, how can you then think that the thing that her underwear sits on is clean and perfect for you to put your penis in? It's mind-boggling!
0: It's... It's confusing, honestly.
1: What are to be thinking? I see... As you listen to some many things, I'm like, you realize that this is not true and he probably eats lots of vagina, loves it. And <laughs> I'm just saying, like, just leave some of these songs where you see them. And if you think oh, yeah. he's bad and he's a bad man and all that, like recognize that as the ages go down, like you're going to recognize some of these things are toxic and they're not to be affirmed in any way. And I think that we don't have the narrative enough about it. I really <clears throat> I, I have to go with my husband because he will listen to Dub more than me. And I, I admit to shine away from Dub because I was always the person who always got the, got the words wrong. I am that person. <laughs> so my Hawkeye had, You remember Hawkeye? Uh, yes, <laughs> that's okay. So I, for all camera people, I know you're singing the song, but Latoya cannot sing it because <laughs> I always got it wrong. But I remember, I always want to look at the narratives of some of these songs and look at the purity culture that has embedded into it, the Christianity that's yes. embedded into it, oh, yeah. and how it has guided our sexual uh, provocatives and our sexual views because it really has. And every time people say no, I'm like, mm, okay, I hear you. I
0: hear you. Right. Yeah, it's, hard so. it, it's hard to admit. It's hard to admit because because it's embedded in our culture, and you know, it's it's something that. And, and I look at those songs. I'm like, these songs kind of play in the club right now. Like, right now, these songs would not have been doing well. Um, so we've we've evolved. We've evolved. We have, we have so moved forward in many
1: mm-hmm. ways. I think that there are still things that will slip under the radar because certain things are hidden in the window and based on a, a, a locality that you would understand what the person is saying, especially certain slang. But I think that critical is still there. I think that especially with um, even even collecting music in Barbados, even the way in which we see and we we um, <laughs> we view women and how we expect them to behave, it's still it's still very it's so very Puritan. It's so very, mm-hmm. you know, um, chast woman outside and in the bedroom, you're supposed to behave, they be here dippy and do bad. But that's such a hard thing to so hard thing to flip, huh? After you've been telling people all along, oh sex is bad, sex is bad, then just suddenly get into bed and go, Oh, sex is great. The flip coin is not as easy as they would like to say. And I think we need to call this spade the spade.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I talk about that all day. And there needs to be a point where we can have those healthy discussions about sex without feeling um, shame. Um, and, and I talk to parents about it all the time. You know, how do we talk about it? How do we talk about our bodies? You know, are we giving um our children permission to to explore their bodies and, and have privacy and you know I think all of that is so important because like you said you expect people to just get married and something switch like okay I'm great with I feel good about my body I you know like it, mm-hmm. there has to be some transformation there has to be some positivity around it you know and I think it's adults, you know, as adults with children, you know, it's our place to, to do that, we are the safe people I'm you know, you. and, and it, if they're not hearing it from us, they're, they're gonna find something on the okay. internet they're, they're gonna start talking about it, they're gonna they're gonna
1: start exploring it themselves even my two right are under five are five are under, sorry and mm-hmm. YouTube will tell them whether or not we want them to I've been delisting YouTube ads and almost about to make YouTube go to fight, girl so, not ads, but videos. So, one of the narratives that they've been having on, I don't know what, I don't know what my parental controls are. Probably they're, they've been slipping past these videos with like cartoons or like Barbies that are pregnant. <laughs> yeah, and they're having a cesarean sex, cesarean each time. Huh? So, my daughter has been having this conversation, both of them, they've both been having this conversation with me about how do babies get hold of tummies which i already knew was a question for their age Uh, but why does it have to be cut out Mm -hmm. so i'm a home birther so i had both of them at home in water (laughs) so my narrative is different yeah completely and i tried to explain Mm -hmm. it to them and i so today we took down the water birth pool that we birthed them in so they can like play in it, and for me to have that conversation a little bit more about how people birth differently and where that's important, mm-hmm. and how birth is not an emergency. That's so, beautiful. But let me tell you, the unlearning at foot at this age is incredible, because she's still like, Mommy, we must rush to the hospital. The baby's coming." I'm like, "Birth is not an emergency, but this <laughs> is gonna take. It's gonna take a while." So you can imagine that this is just, and this is starting with my children's age who are I don't even know what you would call them gen what generation we're dealing with now. But the information is coming at them fast and furious. Um, and how you hand have I'm having to unlearn this now. When I come to older persons and I talk to them about birthing and how birth can beautiful and how sex can beautiful, the unlearning takes much longer. So that's why I give I give people the grace and the compassion to understand that things will take time and it will take with repetition and unlearning as you say and reparenting because even as a Caribbean woman I always have to I was telling one of my friends and we often discuss this as parents um, unlearning things that our parents did not uh, that parents gave us as tools such as lashes it's the hardest thing to unlearn because that in the Caribbean household was the only parenting tool they gave that fear um shaming <laughs> um oh gosh what else is it we often make we make fun out fun of it I often follow Caribbean bloggers who do little memes about you know that look your parent will give you and that kind of thing but it mm-hmm. doesn't often allow you to be assertive in the workplace oh, um, oh
0: my god that's a whole other that's, that's a whole other, whole other topic. topic right
1: into how your relationships and your body and your affirmation for yourself because mm-hmm. then you're not Allowing yourself to do certain things because you already have a script in your mind that discusses how this is going to play out because you met this kind of, um, this hostility before, you know, the feeling in the air when somebody, your, your parent is upset and the whole place is like really quiet Oh yeah, the whole silent hard, treatment thing. Silent treatment. <laughs> the the tools that we have been given lead us into adulthood and it leads us into our relationships and it leads us into our beds. Mm-hmm. and that's let's not talk too much about that but that's pretty much what it is <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah i have a whole other conversation on the way we we this with the, the way we just withhold sex when we're upset you know where do we learn that from where does that come from
1: <laughs> listen and i remember there is this thing in though i don't know if there's other caribbean countries you can surely tell me come in my DMs; it's an open place um and i heard years ago women used to talk about um they put, they put down, they saw what they put down. And basically what it said is that like, they passed a time in their life where sex is supposed, they're supposed to be engaged in sex. Of course that narrative has greatly changed because those people used to be, those individuals used to be in their late 40s, 50s. And of course now that would be like a no thing. But even now, when we talk about seniors and sex, they're talking about people often say, well, what are they doing having sex? Because the way in which you parented the person's art, the way in which I, I want to say this in a way that people understand, and I get very passionate about this because I know that I will get older, and I'm passionate about it because I recognize it as a loop that people are repeating. When you parent, when people get to a certain age, automatically you, you take up a, a role in your parents' life as now a caregiver. You are now they look at you to help take care of them, and sometimes you find yourself parenting your parents. And often if your parent is single, you may parent their sex life. And they say, well, you shouldn't want no sex. What well, you at at age, you don't need no sex. And that's narrative that they would have said to you as a teenager. Mm-hmm. As not seeing you as an uh, autonomous and not somebody who can take care of your own body and stuff like that. Without giving yourself the tools and recognizing that you are an individual separate to them. And therefore, you will have your own needs and wants. And therefore, pleasure is also for you. And this loop kills me. Because it doesn't allow for persons in their senior ages to really connect and Mm -hmm. to live a a good, fruitful sexual life. Because, of course, they by now, of course, understand that P and VG is not everything. And there are other ways to feel sexually aroused and there are other ways to be sexually fulfilled. And it doesn't often have to be in that way. So I, I find these things about the infant... What's the word Infantilizing blazing? When you make your 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 parent know your child, and you make them as like a a baby, you can't. You, people keep doing that. It
0: just enrages me. It makes me so excited when I go to like the adult store and I see adults, um, older adults, you know, picking out toys, and that is exciting. You know, I think it's a new stage of life, and you're exploring and you're you're trying new things. You know, and I, I, I always, when I hear people say something about, oh, like, even expressing disgust when they talk about their parents' sex, like, I'm like, you just expect them to stop doing it? Like, (laughs) they had you and and that's it? Like, the Mm -hmm. sexuality just ended there? And, I mean, I don't want that to be me. Like, I, I do not want that to be me at all.
1: (laughs) No, I don't think, what do you think?
0: The more I really recognize
1: that by not having the kind of honest um conversation about it, people would generally believe that it's supposed to stop. And your 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 um your your children will believe that you have stopped having sex and it doesn't exist, then what's not? Of course you don't want to have them listening to you to your, your, your activities <laughs> But like, you know, you wanna make sure that you you can still be fruitful in your life in that way. You can still express yourself in that way and it not be... What if there's an issue for them, I can tell you right now, for my children, if they listen this year's later, I ain't here. Full-beige accent. I ain't here. This is your mother saying that her life will be hers and you can feel however way you want to feel about it. <laughs> I will be getting mine, okay?
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> I will be getting mine. <laughs> yeah, so tell me... Um... What trends have you noticed? So with your women clients, what are like some top things that they come for? And with your male clients, what are some top issues um, that you see?
1: Um, so for males' performance issues, um, whether it is stamina-related or is erectile dysfunction... Um, satisfaction that they think that they're not reaching their partner's, their partner's goals and what you know, sex is supposed to look like that's often a thing um, <clears throat> and sometimes it's even similar between sexes, previous um, issues in relationships that are cropping their world up back up in new relationships and how to avoid the relationship dissolving because of it and um, for women especially, it is usually on desire discrepancies.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: They're feeling as if they are not having enough of it. And why are they not having enough of it? Um, they should just be ready and willing to go. And having the kind of conversation about recognizing it's not going to be, it's not as easy as it was previously because things and parameters and as <laughs> I mean the ghostly always says context, context, context. <laughs> so your context has changed. Like you were dating before and now you are you guys have children, you have bills together. Things have changed considerably. And for that reason you're going to find that your desire and I hate to use the word desire, but your your desire levels will have to change mm-hmm. because you now have to have different contacts. It has to happen a different way, you know, yeah. because the things that arouse you are are different. They're completely different. Yeah, um, and those are the, my major trends. Without this, evolving too much. Yeah, desire is one of the head things that I find. It usually comes from I'm not having enough sex, and I usually ask, you know, who
0: says this. <laughs> Like, and everyone, I think we all think the person next to us is having more, all, yes. more sex than us. <laughs>
1: yeah, everybody else always think they're like, "How often do you have sex?" And I'm like, "Well, how often do you want to be having sex?" <laughs> Which is just a question you need to be asking. Like, how often do you want to be having sex? Do you want to be having sex every week? How many times a week? And then we move from there.
0: How yeah. can we make? So it researchers, researchers say that once a week. um, we are happy with sex once a week. Anything above that doesn't increase our, our happiness or our level of satisfaction. Like it, it eventually just, you know, fades. Um, mm-hmm. But once so- a week is healthy. And I've, I've heard other sexologists say, um, planning sensual activities, sensual meaning it doesn't have to be sex. It could be massages. It can be foot rubs. It can be, um, Anything, just cuddling even or kissing for, you know, longer than you usually kiss um, can can be good. That's good for connection.
1: It, it's actually, it's actually, you've been taking my homework notes. <laughs>
0: it's actually uh-huh. things that I write down
1: when I, I I tell them, listen, like, when you say you're planning a date night or a sex night, you're not actually planning sex. You're planning sexual activities. So you're planning to talk. You're planning to kiss. You're planning to cuddle. You're planning to touch and feel. And, you know, now you realize that your partner has one bigger ball than the other. <laughs> uh, now you realize that you're, you're like, wait, my wife has been breastfeeding. One breast <laughs> is no way bigger than the other. And you really make all the you, bigger one or the smaller one. Oh, his
0: brown eyes for the first
1: yes. time. <laughs> yes. Like, wait, you, did you always have this birthmark? <laughs> <laughs> So, so, your connection. No, you know, have like a longer time to make a bigger connection with the person. Yeah. I mean, you schedule that. Or you're already scheduling this space. For sex. You're scheduling. You're, you're scheduling that desire. You're scheduling that eroticism. So that now you you could even do things like I love massage candles. <laughs> I say if you like massages, have a massage candle, light it, wait for it to cool a little bit and then you rub it on and you, you really have that kind of experience with your partner. And I always tell both men and women, depending on who may identify themselves as someone with the higher break or the the bigger gas pedal, that, to recognize where you're not going there for penetrative sex, but you're going for the experience. Yes. So you would taper the person's expectations. So you don't feel like a failure if you didn't get to sex. But you recognize that this experience was good for white was because it allowed me to connect with my partner and I will get, we will get to the point where we have sex again. And if you're recognizing for too long that it's not something, then you could go a little bit further into that, right? Why a little bit deeper into the relationship issues about why it is that you don't want to have sex with this person and it there are uh, discrepancies and the type of sex. So we do, I do a lot of work around those, those particular areas for both men and women i find that it works <laughs> um i remember it's peggy kittspatchett um she said in the opening stance of her lecture to us because i did a, a master's intensive in ontario with uh, guelph university and she said your your therapy your sessions as a therapist, as you therapy, you find that your assessment might be the first and last briefing with your client if you do it good enough. And I couldn't, I was, my, my brain was like, but how does that work for your bills? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I understand what she means in terms of through the assessment and asking the right questions you really get the client to identify how and they would solve the problem that they've come to see you with in the first day okay. and then you give them a plan and a chart of action that allows them to um, solve it continuously on their own checking back in with you and for coaching especially when I chart the path I tell them you're gonna have a lot of work and I don't expect you to do it in a week I, expect, I give you particular time parameters and I hope that you don't get overwhelmed. So I do check-ins as well. And it allows them to just, for me not to be intrusive, but me just to see if the information I'm giving them, if it's helping or hurting. Because, of That's course, a, yeah, because you know, sometimes when, you, when you're when you seeking to, ha- to fix a problem, oftentimes when you look at the wound, it hurts too much and you just stop. So you want to make sure the information that you're giving them um, is not hurting them more. Like some people say something that "When couples go to therapy, they end up breaking up."
0: <laughs> more sometimes than that's, that's what needs to be done.
1: <laughs> yeah. So they're like, "Okay, maybe I shouldn't have gone, but maybe that was the purpose of going anyway." So you you really need to check in to see like what is helping them and how it's being helpful. I've been giving them is I give them enough vitamin loads that you know it strengthens them and they're able to come for the next session.
0: They don't feel raw. <laughs> and I it sounds like the the major and the foundation of it is is communication, you know, talking to your partner, and talking understanding to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Affirmations talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. Cause
1: if you, yeah. you you could talk yourself out too um by relationships. Like this is not something that I I is this somebody that I really want to be with? Is this how I want to be spoken to? Is this really it? And if you could if you can even have that conversation yourself very early up, you would recognize that. Listen, if this if I heard this story from somebody else, would I be okay with it?
0: Right. I
1: love that. If this was a dear Christine and like how we have embarrassed, what advice would I be telling this person? Is this the advice that I wanna hear? Is this something so I think that that kind of communication is important. So that's why I always start when I'm, when I'm telling people on Instagram, I'm like, why would you guys that scotch? The reason is because you've talked to your girlfriends, you've talked to your sister, you talked to your pastor. You're just talking to the wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> Oftentimes the information they're giving you is not judgment-free. They have their own reasons that they want you to either stay in the situation or their own perspective, and mine is judgment-free. I have no, I have nothing invested in your relationship. I have nothing invested in your life and what my goals for you are. I'm invested in
0: what you want.
1: And that's mm-hmm. it. And I'm selfish about it. <laughs> and that's exactly how it's supposed to be.
0: That's beautiful. I admire you. And I think the work that you're doing is incredible and your population <laughs> i mean i i don't work in the caribbean right now but it's 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 a tough one and and it sounds like your business is flourishing so the work you're doing has from been
1: from your god's ears it has been is it's it's been coming and it's coming good i'm really excited about it that's the truth yeah that's and the truth.
0: i think just giving people permission to to so have a safe space and permission to share and, and just talk through those things that they otherwise wouldn't talk about if there wasn't an outlet. And anyway, before I go down another rabbit hole. Um, so you talked about that you're reading Come As You Are. What else do you read to stay on top of just the changing times and just, you know, technology and all of that?
1: Okay, so I usually do I I go where people are. So I go to the Instagram, I usually go to where my clientele women are. I go and look at the mom blogs. See what they're saying about sex for Caribbean. People like go to the um you know, we have these Instagrams in the Caribbean and enough um other Caribbean's have it like the persons that get the news first, it's usually like Rags, right? <laughs> Kinda like that. So I go there to see what they're talking about sex, where they're talking about popular culture, and I take my information from those small pieces from my community. Um, so I go where they are on the Facebook's, I go, I go in the communities. I actually I, I go and I look, I see, I look at the comments. Like before I'm that kind of person that would read the comments first before I read the article. <laughs> no shame. No shame. I read comments first because it tells most people will do just like me read the comments before they read the article because I want to see what people are talking about and then it will go and read the truth of the article and come back to the comments and say, Did you even read this thing? <laughs> but I don't actually respond. But I, I like to see where people's narratives are coming
0: from. Oh, yeah, where their minds go.
1: Where their minds are going without reading the article. Yeah. Just being blamey and shamey. I'm big and bad on the internet, so I, it's, it's a good it's a good spot for me. That's what, it is. that's where I go. Um, academically, I consume a lot of podcasts. Okay. Well, podcast, podcast, podcast. I do. Um, what
0: am I consuming right now? I had stopped Can for you a while. share? Can you yeah. share maybe just maybe two of your top podcasts right now?
1: Well, I'll tell you what I stop listening to Podcast for a little bit just mm-hmm. as I said just to get my mind out of the fog of too much information yeah. processing yeah overload mm-hmm. overload so um right now I would listen intermittently to the love hour podcast because it is lickety black and, <laughs> and I can't get over that part I like that and um so I listen to love hour I I like it I like the narrative um I like that it also allows me to see Christian black culture. As I tell mm-hmm. you that I, that narrative has never been something that's particularly come to me very strong. So it's it is a more of an awareness.
0: Mm-hmm. Um for for me because
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't really get it. I don't understand Pentecostal understandings of God and Jesus and the relationship. Trust me. I, the narrative is something, it just stuns me. Um I usually sit with my mouth open like, Do you really think that? <laughs> but anyway uh, so that's one another thing is i love dan savage i'm not sure if he still records but it will go back and listen to all episodes of his mm. i just pick them at random and listen yeah. if i want to shock my senses i listen to kiki and oh gosh what's the other lady's name I don't know, but it's Cocktails and Conversations.
0: Yeah, I've seen that one on Instagram. Actually, I think you mentioned that one to me when we talked a while back. Yeah. Cocktails
1: and Conversations. And it's my own personal stars.
0: Yeah. Sexual Talking about stars, stars I actually have one coming up oh. <laughs> with Sexual Health Alliance. And um, it's going to be interesting. It's a Valentine's star And we were invited to, to bring our partners, so... That's that should be interesting. Is it in
1: person or virtual?
0: <laughs> it's virtual. So usually it would be in person. Um, usually maybe like in Austin or Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. But um, this time it's it's virtual and um, I'm looking forward to it. I, so so I like excited. that you just brought that up. <laughs> have you actually excited. done have you done one? haven't
1: done one that's my it's been my goal to do one yeah. um so I'm hoping that 2021 with everything going virtual it actually opens up a lot more for persons who don't oh, we yes. no longer need playing tickets baby yeah right <laughs> so it is this pandemic has been a good thing and a bad thing because it, it, yeah, yes. the, the stars know having to come online to save people's lives and now I can mm-hmm. get to some so it's yeah. on my ticket for sure uh, but I really do like I really do like those ones. Um, on relationships and success. with Emily, he's always in there. And yeah, that's what I usually go to. My those are those are the ones that I I use to especially cocktails and conversations because it is left centre of how I live my life. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Oh, that's on the other track and you would think because I'm married to a man and I I live a bit um, I would say like the cookie cutter kinda Thing, that this the fact that I do sex question is so lack center but listening to single people like sports is so fun for me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially in a large metropolitan place because in Barbados it's the degree of separation is so small that it doesn't really allow for singles to really explore and be oh gosh to really explore let me just say it yeah. it doesn't allow them to explore as much
0: so I often- and I wanted to just go back to just the SARs. I know people listening might be wondering, what is a SAR? Um, so the SAR is a, uh, like a restructuring type of seminar. Um, it introduces participants, um, students to a broad range of um, human sexual behavior. Um, that way we get to um, assess our comfort level and um, evaluate our biases, which mm-hmm. a lot of us do. Um, so it just introduces us the different ideas and, and, and just challenge us in that way, um, to see, you know, where our biases are really.
1: But it was, it was impactful for me in, wow, cause we did kind of a star because we had to watch porn together at one point. So that yeah. was, I was, I, I was, <laughs> it was so yeah, impactful for me. Yeah, it's definitely on the menu. <laughs> yeah, it's it definitely, it was impactful because you, as they say, you need to open it yourself to see where your biases are, to, say, to make sure that you know, especially that you, where you are good and where you're not. So, for example, there are blind spots. People always ask me, oh, do you do LGBTQ community? And it says, it's, it's not that I don't, it's that I don't, I haven't done a SAR that has frightened me enough that so let me see i know that my unconscious bias is there yeah i know but i can correct her very quickly um and i'm good at it and i don't have any pre- com- preconceived notions but i do recognize that i need a little bit more strength and especially as a Caribbean person i don't like to think that because i've done S R H R work that i don't have those kind of biases mm-hmm. because I know that it can wear its head, and the- I don't want to leave my campgrounds worse than I found them. You know what I mean? You know I mean? I don't want to leave a client in a in a worse position. So, I can't wait to strengthen that kind of um, that kind of um, work a little bit more because there's not enough. I, there was a when I was working in hotel sector, there, there was this lady who was a psychologist, and she was a psychologist specifically for LGBTQI community people who are black. And I said, oh, my God, if you worked in the Caribbean, <laughs> you would save so many lives. And she was like, but, you know, this is the word to come. This is the word that
0: has to come. Oh, yeah. Right? And you know what? Different. Where there is taboo, there is so much opportunity. So we will never be out of work. We might be working until we were dead. <laughs> Because there will always be people who, and even as we go through our own developmental stages, um, there's going to be new things that we're finding about ourselves and we develop more comfort level with um, discussing those things too with our our clients. But yeah, we'll never be out of work. That's for sure.
1: No, not one minute.
0: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So how would you guide someone who wanted to pursue a career um, similar to yours?
1: Um, I would definitely tell them to read a couple books about it first. See how that sits with them. Um, Watch. To get involved in peer-to-peer education first. That really helped. Because if you can't sit and listen to somebody else's conversation are nuances with sex and you feel yourself very uncomfortable i mean you cannot of course as a therapist you know that you're gonna work yourself into a comfort level but that's a good way to find out if it's a good fit for you first (laughs) because you 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 really figure out okay i like talking about sex but talking to other people about their sex life not so much so you want to know if you're going to be an educator or actually a coach that's a good way to find out Mm -hmm. volunteering and doing work like hotlines and stuff like that volunteering will always let you know trying it for free without paying investments, that's a good way Um, so that's one way I would always say volunteer, try it, see if it's for you Um, that's one one good way, another way um, is to see in this online platform it's so much easier because when I first googled how to be a sex therapist (laughs) there was so little I remember Googling it on my campus computer and the information was so little bit. Yeah. Um, but yes, now there's a lot more. Uh, there is Dr. Rachel's sex coaching uh, program, which I'm going through. And then, but I'm going to finish shortly. And that is a beautiful program. It allows you to be a certified master sex uh, coach. And I think there's another level as well, but it's about two levels. I think two or three that you can go through and do. And there are a number of them that you can do. Um, but those have been good ones that I've found out there. Good the programs that are certified that allow... And the information. If you think you know size Ed and you go through this information, man, it will... It will still... It, it, and my husband sometimes is coming, he's peeking, he's like, Are you okay? You're arguing with some <laughs> And I'm like I'm sure I got that question right. I don't know what, why what is getting it wrong. So it really does it really does affirm and solidify information you have and making sure you have the right skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot I cannot complain or tell you more about making sure you are informed and you keep up with the information. You buy the courses. I remember buying a course on squirting. And just uh, trust me, wild as it was, um, and <laughs> just to make sure that the information that I thought I knew, I knew, you know what I mean, and making sure that I was able to tell people the information. Of course, the thing about it is that I don't personally squirt, and nor, and I've not necessarily personally been a goal of mine but people always ask and I couldn't give them a good answer about it so it was that first somebody asked me to do a seminar and it was like okay I really need to delve head first into this and I read out the book and then I did that course and it was interesting but yeah there's more information there's more teachers of the craft and with porn now becoming a lot more educational Um, In some aspects, because it's feminist porn, so you have to take these things to the ground. So there's a quality information you can find and you can can get gather. It's possible.
0: That's amazing. Um, We're going to add some of that information in the show notes, especially with regards to um, just the sex coaching program and... Just some of the other affiliations that you mentioned, um, so people who are interested in that routes can explore. You know, mm-hmm. see if that's that's what they want to do. Because I think we need we need a lot of people, a lot more people doing this work, especially on the other islands, because um, it's needed. As long as we're we're here on Earth, <laughs> um, I mean, our sexuality is is part of our. It's part of us, you know? So um I just think we need more support. So true. Okay, thank you for sharing
1: that. And it's good to have somebody else to walk this journey with. You don't want just one coach, you need more.
0: Yeah. So I guess this is it for us today. Um, where can our listeners connect with you online?
1: most definitely they can find me on instagram um my handle is pillow talk underscore caribbean or facebook at pillow talk caribbean and they will find me there they can message me at any time that's not a problem i will answer you at the appropriate time <laughs> and we can discuss yes but that's where you can find me um i don't have my website all the way up as yet but
0: 2021 is going to be great. So we'll get it done. Yeah. Well, beautiful. Well, Latoya from Pill Talk Caribbean, thank you so much for joining us and to our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us this week on her sexual space. For more information about this week's topic, check out our Instagram where we will continue the conversation in the comments. If you have any feedback or questions for Latoya and please subscribe to our podcast so you can catch every new episode And don't forget to leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content and let us know if there are any topics that you want us to talk a little bit more about or go in depth with. Um, We're so excited to just bring you the information and we want it to come from an unbiased lens um, so that you can make the informed decisions that, you know, you want to make for your own sexual health. So thank you so much. Bye-bye.